Have you ever wondered if you had what it takes to track down a killer? If so, then why not head over to killertrace.com forward slash trains talk podcast 2088, where you can subscribe to see if you can track down a serial killer. Killer Trace is a monthly subscription-based box where you'll receive a case file, crime scene pictures, and evidence for further analysis. What sets Killer Trace apart from similar products is its unique case management system, where you can send and request virtual evidence and DNA testing. Even discuss your case with other Killer Trace members to track down the killer. Again, that's KillerTrace.com forward slash Strange Talk Podcast 2088. Use my URL code, which you can find in the episode description. Hey strangers, in today's episode, I'll be discussing some graphic details. So listen to warning. If you're uncomfortable with grisly details of murder, then this episode isn't for you. Now on with the show. Welcome to Strange Talk. Richard Trenton Chase was a madman. He was a very disturbed individual. Chase suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and from somatic delusions. Born on May 23, 1950 in Sacramento, California, Richard's childhood wasn't the greatest. Chase's parents were a strict religious family. Oftentimes, Richard's father would beat Chase. Starting at age 10, Richard began wetting his bed. And because of this, almost every morning Richard would receive beatings because of his excessive bedwetting. Richard began showing early signs of his future behavior in the form of arson, bedwetting, and cruelty to animals. Richard was fascinated by fire. Oftentimes, he would be outside playing with matches and setting things ablaze. His attitude towards animals, mainly small rodents and squirrels, were of the same nature, only that it being he would often set these small animals ablaze or take a hammer and smash them. This type of behavior is known as the McDonald Triad, or the Triad of Sociopathy, coined by psychiatrist J.M. McDonald in 1963. In Richard's teen years, his social life was non-existent, aside from having two or three friends. Because of this, he often turned to alcohol and drugs, mainly LSD and marijuana. Chase was an alcoholic by the age of 14, oftentimes showing up to school drunk. Despite his alcohol abuse, In 1968, Chase had graduated from Mira Loma High School and enrolled in American River College. Still using drugs and alcohol, Chase would often see the school psychiatrist. During his college years, Chase somehow managed to land a girlfriend. Unfortunately for Chase, he would soon find out that he suffered from erectile dysfunction, and the majority of his relationships would not last due to him being unable to achieve an erection. Chase's psychiatrist believed his reason for being impotent was brought on by suppressed anger from growing up in an abusive home. The psychiatrist also thought he was suffering from a mental illness, but despite this, Chase would not receive further treatment. At age 21, Richard moved into an apartment with some friends of his, more like friend of a friend and they needed help with paying rent, so why not? Although they thought Chase was a bit strange, at least he can help out. However, this arrangement wouldn't last. Soon Chase's roommates began complaining about his habits. Chase would never clean after himself, nor would he bathe. Most days, Chase would stay in his room with the door locked, screaming. And oftentimes, Chase would walk around the apartment completely naked, even when guests would be visiting his roommates. Finally, enough was enough. Chase's roommates confronted him, saying, Look, you need to leave. 
It's not working out, and we no longer feel comfortable with you living here. Chase refused to leave, so his roommates packed up their shit and got the fuck out. Chase was not well and was slowly, slowly deteriorating mentally. During this time, Chase believed he was lacking in vitamin C, so he would hold oranges up to his head because he believed that his brain would absorb the nutrients. Chase also shaved his head because he believed that his skull became detached and his bones were moving around, so shaving his head was a means of monitoring the movement. Unable to pay rent, and Chase's mother and father refused to pay his rent, they decided the best thing to do was to have Richard move in with his grandmother. During this time, Richard's parents decided to get a divorce. At Richard's grandmother's, he complained that his head was hurting due to his skull being detached and his bones moving around. You see, Richard was a hypochondriac, a person who was constantly anxious about their health. Richard's grandmother could not deal with him, so she sent him back to Sacramento. And despite Richard's parents not wanting to pay his rent, they decided to buy him a new apartment. After a few months, the neighbors started to notice Richard's odd behaviors. He was often seen bringing small animals into his apartment, mainly rabbits, still complaining of headaches and other illnesses. Chase's mother decided to take him to the doctors to see what may be causing him to feel this way. There, the physicians discovered that Chase had a psychiatric disturbance of major proportions and recommended he be committed to American River Hospital. During his time in the psych ward, psychiatrists discovered that Richard believed he was reincarnated as one of the younger brothers, a gang of bank robbers associated with Jesse James, and he believed his mother was trying to poison him. It was at this time that they diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia and felt he was a danger to others. Despite all of this, Richard's mother had him return to his apartment. Her reasoning for his behavior wasn't because he was mentally ill, it was simply because of his constant drug use. It wasn't until Richard's father stopped by to visit him. Upon entering Richard's apartment, he could smell blood in the air. Looking around, he noticed a cage with rabbits, and in the kitchen were rabbits sprawled across the counters, cut open with their organs missing, and his father noticed the blender, having what used to be rabbits and squirrels, all mashed up like some blood milkshake. In the middle of the kitchen was Chase half-conscious, with dead rabbits around him and a needle sticking out of his arm. Richard's father discovered that Chase had been eating rabbits raw and drinking their blood and injecting it. Richard's reasoning for this was because he thought his blood was poison and he needed fresh blood from the rabbits. Richard's father thought this was a final straw, and he nor his mother could ignore his behavior any longer. Richard was brought back to American River Hospital, where the other patients and staff were frightened of him. This is where he was dubbed Dracula. Richard would capture small birds and bite their heads off and suck the blood from the wound, and was frequently found with blood smeared on his face, claiming it was a cut from him shaving. Once a psychiatrist prescribed him medication, he was released. Now you're probably wondering why they would release him, despite knowing what he's done and the fact that previous doctors recommend he stay indefinitely. Seeing as he is a danger to others, psychiatrists believed he was fit for society when he was heavily medicated, so they felt he was ready to be out in the public again. However, Richard began to stop taking his medication a year after his release. Richard began to have delusions again. He wasn't sure if it was brought on from the LSD or the weed or the fucking alcohol, but something was burning inside of him. He felt cold and hot at the same time. Soon, he heard a faint voice. Kill, it whispered. Louder and louder it grew. Kill, kill, they're poisoning you. Seeing his keys on his counter, he picked them up and got into his car and drove off. 
Unsure of where he was going, he ended up near a field in Lake Tahoe. Still hearing the voice, it's almost as if he was compelled. He saw a barn not too far from where he was, and he entered, and saw a cow, the voice still commanding him. He found a knife lying next to a wall near the enclosure, and he walked up to the cow, and caressing it, he held the knife to its throat, and their eyes met. Richard, in that moment, felt as though they were one. The voice whispered again, Kill. Richard slit the cow's throat, and as the blood poured from the wound, he began drinking. After the cow collapsed, he cut the animal open and began to rip out the organs and collect them in a bucket that he had found. Richard took off his clothes and was completely naked, smearing the blood all over his body as if he were bathing in it. Deputies were called to the area as there were reports of a strange man walking in the area covered in blood. Nevada State Police pulled up to Richard's Ford Ranchero, which was lodged in a sand drift near a lake. Inside the vehicle, they found the bucket of blood and the cow's liver and two rifles. The officers tracked down Chase, who was naked and screaming in the sand, covered in blood. When they questioned him as to why he was covered in blood, his response was that he was hunting and it was from a kill, which is why he had a bucket. Officers reported the incident and they let Richard go. Getting away with what he had done sparked something in Richard, so he decided to test the waters a bit more, and on December 29, 1977, driving around a random neighborhood, he chose a house at random. Richard held his 22 caliber handgun and shot into the home, and he sped off. A woman was home, although she was not injured. It would be a year later that Chase would commit his first murder. Do you love all things strange and paranormal? Well, why not represent that by heading to ParaboxMonthly.com? Parabox Monthly is a subscription-based box where you'll receive various t-shirts representing all things strange and weird. Use my promo code STRANGEPOD to save 10% off your first box. That's ParaboxMonthly.com. Use promo code STRANGEPOD to save 10% off your first box. Now, back to the show. The rush of firing his weapon into that stranger's home was exhilarating to Richard. The voice returned and demanded blood. On December 27, 1978, Chase killed his first victim. The voice in Richard's head told him that this killing is a warm-up to prepare for what's ahead. Driving around another random neighborhood, Richard spotted a man and woman unpacking groceries from the trunk of their car. Richard waited until one of them were alone. It didn't matter to him who he killed as long as he killed. The woman entered her home and the man was heading back to his car to pick up the remaining groceries. It was then that Richard, seeing the man was alone, pulled up to the driveway and fired two shots, striking the man in the chest and in the throat. And Richard sped off. That man was named Ambrose Griffin. He was a 51-year-old engineer and a father of two. His wife called 911, but Ambrose bled out before paramedics would arrive. Police investigated the crime scene and discovered a 22 caliber casing, and it matched the one that was used in the random house shooting that Richard had previously did. Richard's second murder would be more extreme and disturbing. On January 11, 1978, Chase asked his neighbor for a cigarette and then forcibly restrained her until she gave him an entire pack. Two weeks later, he attempted to enter the home of another woman, but finding that her doors were locked, went into her backyard and walked away. 
Chase later told the detectives that he took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcomed, but that unlocked doors were an invitation to come inside. During this time, many people had their doors unlocked. It was a different time. While wandering around, he encountered a girl named Nancy Holden, with whom he had attended high school with. He attempted to get a ride from her, but frightened by his appearance, she refused. He went down the street where he broke into the home of a young married couple, stole some other valuables, urinated into a drawer of their infant's clothing, and defecated on their son's bed. The couple came home while Chase was still in the house. The husband attacked him, but Chase escaped. Chase continued to attempt to enter homes until he came across the home of David and Teresa Wallen. David was at work. Teresa, three months pregnant, was in the middle of taking out the garbage and thus had left her front door unlocked. Chase surprised her in the home and shot her three times, once in the hand, a defensive wound, and twice in the head, killing her. It was the same gun used to kill Ambrose Griffin. Chase then dragged her body to her bedroom and raped it post-mortem, repeatedly stabbing it with a butcher knife. When he had finished, he carved the corpse open and removed several of her internal organs using a bucket to collect the blood and then taking it into the bathroom to bathe in it. He then sliced off her nipples and drank her blood, using an empty yogurt container as a drinking glass. Before leaving, he went into the yard, found a pile of dog feces, and returned to stuff it into the corpse's mouth and throat. Two days after killing Teresa Wallen, Chase purchased two puppies from a neighbor which he then killed and drank the blood of, leaving the bodies on the neighbor's front lawn. On January 27th, Chase committed his final murder, which also qualifies as a mass murder and one of the most disturbing killings Chase has ever committed. He entered the home of 38-year-old Evelyn Miroth, who was babysitting her 22-month-old nephew, David. Also present in the home was Evelyn's six-year-old son, Jason, and Dan Meredith, a neighbor who had came over to check on Evelyn. Evelyn was in the bath while Dan watched the children. He went into the front hallway when Chase entered the home and was shot in the head at point-blank range with Chase's 22 caliber handgun, killing him. Chase then turned the corpse over and stole Dan's wallet and car keys. Jason ran to his mother's bedroom, where Chase fatally shot him twice in the head at point-blank range. On the way to killing Jason, Chase also shot David in the head. Chase then entered the bathroom and fatally shot Evelyn once in the head. He dragged her corpse onto the bed where he simultaneously sodomized it and drank its blood from a series of slices to the back of the neck. Medical examiners reported an inordinate amount of semen in the corpse's rectum, indicating an unusual amount of ejaculations. When Chase had finished, he stabbed her at least half a dozen times in the anus, the knife penetrating her uterus. He stabbed her in a series of vital points on the body, which caused blood from her internal organs to pool into her abdomen, which he then sliced open and drained into a bucket. He then consumed all of the blood. Chase then went to retrieve David's corpse. He took it to the bathroom and split its skull open in the bathtub and consumed some of the brain matter. Outside, a six-year-old girl with whom Jason Murath had a playdate knocked on the door, startling Chase. He fled the residence, stealing Dan Meredith's car. The girl alerted a neighbor. The neighbor broke into the Murath home, where he discovered the bodies and contacted the authorities. Upon entering the home, 
police discovered that Chase had left perfect handprints and perfect imprints of the soles of his shoes in Evelyn's blood. Chase, meanwhile, took David's corpse home with him, where he chopped off his penis and used it as a straw through which he sucked the blood out of the body. He then sliced the corpse open and consumed several internal organs and made smoothies out of others, finally disposing of the body at a nearby church. After the Wallen murder, FBI agents Ross Vorpagel and Robert Ressler were called in to investigate. They compiled a profile of the killer. They determined that the killer would be tall, malnourished, a loner, physically unclean, and that most importantly, he would continue to kill. Five days after the mass murder and after hearing the FBI profile, Nancy Holden contacted police saying she believed Richard Chase could be the killer. If you forgot, Nancy Holden was the one that she refused to give Richard Chase a ride to. The police ran a background check on Chase, where they came across his registration of a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol. Detectives and a team of police went to Chase's apartment, where they asked to speak with him. Chase refused. The detectives and the police hid down the hallway and waited for Chase to leave, arresting him when he left the apartment, carrying a bloodstained box. His parka and shoes were likewise bloodstained. Inside were pieces of shredded, blood-soaked wallpaper and the blood-stained 22 caliber with which he had committed his murders. Chase claimed that the bloody wallpaper and bloody gun were a result of his killing several dogs. When the police performed a search of Chase's person, they found that he was carrying Dan Meredith's wallet. Detectives, along with Ressler and Vorpagel, performed a search of Chase's apartment. They found the walls, floor, ceiling, refrigerator, and all of Chase's eating and drinking utensils soaked in blood. On the counter was the blender Chase used to make his smoothies. It was caked in coagulated blood and the rotting matter of internal organs. Inside the refrigerator, police found several animal body parts wrapped in aluminum foil. David's brains in a Tupperware container and pieces of his body wrapped in saran wrap and several of Evelyn Mirath's and Teresa Wallen's internal organs on another counter were several pet collars. On his kitchen table, he had spread out numerous diagrams depicting various aspects of human biology. In 1979, Chase stood trial on six counts of murder. In order to avoid the death penalty, the defense tried to have Chase found guilty of second-degree murder, which would result in a life sentence. Their case hinged on Chase's history of mental illness and the lack of planning in his crimes, evidence that they were not premeditated. On May 8th, the jury found Chase guilty of six counts of first-degree murder. The defense asked for a clemency hearing, in which a judge determined that Chase was not legally insane. Chase was sentenced to die in the gas chamber. Waiting to die, Chase became a feared presence in the prison. The other inmates, including several gang members, aware of the graphic and bizarre nature of his crimes, feared him, and according to prison officials, they often tried to convince Chase to commit suicide, too fearful to get close enough to him to kill him themselves. Chase also granted a series of interviews with Robert Ressler, during which he spoke of his fears of Nazis and UFOs, claiming that although he had killed, it was not his fault. He had been forced to kill to keep himself alive, which he believed any person would do. He asked Ressler to give him access to a radar gun, with which he could apprehend the Nazi UFOs, 
so that the Nazis could stand trial for the murders. He also handed Ressler a large amount of macaroni and cheese, which he had been hoarding in his pants pockets, believing that the prison officials were in league with the Nazis and attempting to kill him. On December 26, 1980, a guard doing cell checks found Chase lying awkwardly on his bed, not breathing. An autopsy determined that Chase committed suicide with an overdose of prison doctor-prescribed antidepressants that he had been saving up for the last few weeks. And thus ends the story of Richard Chase, the Vampire of Sacramento. So yay everybody, it's episode 10, it's finally out and it's finally here. Um, Thank you, uh, f if you're listening to this and you just got to this part, uh, thank you to everybody who uh, wanted to decide to stay with me and listen to the episode. I know I was supposed to have it out uh, last Monday, but my computer crashed on me and everything, so I wasn't able to edit and fully research everything. I mean, I had some research, but then I wasn't able to fully research it. Also, I want to give a big thanks to KillerTrace.com um, for supporting me and sponsoring me. Also, Parabox Monthly for sponsoring me and sponsoring this episode. So, big thanks to both of you guys. Uh, don't forget to go to KillerTrace.com forward slash Strange Talk Podcast 2088. That's 2088. So you can sign up to see if you have what it takes to track down a serial killer. But don't forget to visit ParaboxMonthly.com and use my coupon code STRANGEPOD to save 10% off your first box. Uh, Parabox Monthly, you basically receive a monthly box that have various t-shirts in it that range from ghosts on them to haunted places to Bigfoot to basically cryptid monsters. So thank you guys for both sponsoring me. Um, also, if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, why not subscribe and rate it? Uh, rating helps me. If you're able to rate it on whatever platform you listen to, if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, I believe those um, platforms allow you to rate the episode, I mean rate the podcast. So go ahead and do that. That helps me out a ton. But you know what also helps me out a ton? If you guys spread the word, um, if you guys really enjoy the podcast, go ahead and spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your teachers, tell your parents, tell everybody to, hey, stop what you're fucking doing and listen to Strange Talk Podcast because that podcast is fucking amazing. <laughs> but also, um, if you want to reach me, you can do so at Instagram at Strange Talk Podcasts on instagram so you can send me a message there if you'd like but if you want to you know just talk to me on there that's fine go ahead if you also want to email me at strange talk podcast at outlook.com you can go ahead and email me there you know any business inquiries anything you want to just you know email me there that's fine go ahead but if you're not already following me on instagram at strange talk podcast you should be doing that right now stop what you're doing stop this episode right now and go and follow me on instagram <laughs> Uh, if you do follow me on Instagram, that's where you'll see all my updates. You know, I tend to talk with my followers on there a lot. Let them know what's going on. I kind of act goofy. Like recently, I posted a picture supposed of a face reveal where it ended up being Shrek at the end. I don't think a lot of people care too much about that. <laughs> they probably got annoyed, but fuck it. I don't really care. Um, so a big thank you. It's episode 10. We finally reached it. Um, in the next episode... Because uh, again, like I said, if you're not following me on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast, you won't know what the next episode is because I usually announce what the next episode is going to be. So go ahead and follow me on that. So the next episode I'm going to be having next Monday is going to be Elisa Lamb, 
So if you don't know the story of Elisa Lam, which I'm pretty sure most of you do, um, I can't guarantee I'm going to find anything new if you have already heard the Elisa Lam story. Hopefully I do with the research I give. Hopefully, you know, I find something interesting for you guys. If not, I apologize. But when I was on Instagram and I announced three episode ideas, I'm going to do all of them. It's just I gave you guys the option to choose which one I did first and Elisa Lam was the most voted for. So the first one's going to be Elisa Lam. The next one will be, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but I want to say it's Anatoly. It's a Russian name. His name is Anatoly or Anatoly Mish... Ah, fuck it. It's Anatoly something. <laughs> I will learn how to say it properly when I do his episode. So the first episode is going to be Elisa Lam, the Anatoly guy who's also known as the, the doll maker. You'll find out why in his episode, why he's called the doll maker. And then the last episode, not of the series, but of the last episode, it might be of the season, the last episode, but the last episode will be Norma Lopez. Um, if you don't know who she is, well, you'll find out when I get to it. Uh, so a big thank you to everybody who keeps following me, who keeps listening to my episodes. This show would not be anything without your beautiful ears listening to my beautiful voice, which I think it it is if it isn't just go ahead and dm me on instagram or send me an email and say hey i don't like your voice <laughs> well as always stay strange <laughs>